House of Mystery presents Inside Writing, the radio show where authors discuss their writing process in all genres. Well, welcome back into the House of Mystery. Of course, I'm Al Warren. So now we've got a co-host who's also a guest today. It's, of course, yes. Eric Shapiro, writer, movie script maker he's just a movie maker he's just a, he, my god entrepreneur well thank Everything. you thank you yeah so you've kind of got lots of stuff going on now so you, you've also started a new uh thing called the psychic arts center right that's it yeah and, this is the first time i've ever spoken publicly about it okay so so now this uh, for me i i look at this and i think well of course you know i you know i I like people, friends are friends, and no matter what, um, I support them. So, but yeah. I look at this and I see this as a complete <laughs> turn from what you've been doing. So, yeah, likewise, it's um, it, it's nothing I ever expected to happen in my life, and it's been a long road there. And I can only imagine what certain people are thinking. Like, I only like you're friends with me on Instagram, but I only have like a hundred friends there as a private account. Those are people I actually know. So. For the past couple years in that small space where I act more open and silly and vulnerable and weird with my actual sense of humor, etc., I've started openly, like, uncloseting myself as psychic. And then I only in the past week or so mentioned it on Facebook where I have a lot of followers and a lot of engagement. And that was daunting because it's like people are absolutely going to think I'm a scammer. You know, I'm full of it. I'm uh, delusional, whatever. And right. so that was a big step. But, you know. I think 40% of the population believes in it. So it's nearly half. So there has been support also. And then um, now this is like a different yeah. gradient, a different magnitude talking about it in this context. Yeah. Yeah. And you kind of remember that, you know, you've kind of been more in the um, nonfiction academia side world, like yeah. when you're writing with the newspaper and you're doing articles, you're writing about things that are substance you know they're fact yeah like this and that and yeah kind of reporting so the people around expect that kind of um um thing from you product from you not i'm not trying to make it sound like it's commercial but you're they're expecting yeah. it from you so some i think it'll be more of a surprise to them that circle of people yeah i think i think you're right and what's interesting is so I've, uh, my wife and i have owned this newspaper the milpita speed for six years and at the beginning of that so i was a ghostwriter and speechwriter by profession for many years leading up to that so at the beginning of the newspaper experience i had all the skills to do journalism because i i could write things I, I could research things but my wife was a professional journalist and she wanted to start this company and she wanted me to adjust my skill set to do journalism which i was game for it was something new and uh since then you know the the newspaper has a lot of readers, it's won awards, and it's become a credible entity. But just to the point you're speaking toward, early in that period, um, of like early in the six years, I had to prove myself to the readers, and there's tens of thousands of them, so you're under all the scrutiny, uh, that I could communicate factually, and I wasn't always great at it. Like, not that I would get, not that I would lie or be wrong, it was more like contextual, it was more like, oh, he's, he's not understanding how this committee or this government department works, and he's only telling two-thirds of what's relevant. So there was a huge learning curve where I had sleepless nights. I was like, oh, screwing this up. And I would end up, um, if you look back at my earliest articles, so many of them at the bottom in italics say that they've been updated because I had to correct them. So, like, so that was a long cycle. So not only is what you're saying true, but it took a long time to even earn the trust of the readers, right? right. So 
Then, like two years ago, I won a major journalism award in California. It was one of the top awards for my opinion writing. So, but opinion writing also is still like it's not fiction. It's steeped in fact, as you're saying. Like it's not just it, there's nothing like metaphysical about it. So, right, right. Um, this psychic stuff had been happening for over a decade or about a decade, and um, finally, when I won that award, um, it gave me the confidence and the understanding. It's like I would kind of prefer to communicate from this side of myself because uh, it is happening and it's something I've verified with probably by now, like a hundred people and, um, and it's natural. So it's almost like I have to wear a different cloak when I'm talking like a no quote unquote normal person. So it, it was like, like you're saying at the beginning, like it was nothing I ever expected, but I want to kind of talk about how I got there. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, oh, yeah. And all I'm saying is I think, um, I think when you told me my reaction was, well, good luck. There's going to be a whole lot of heartache here because, yeah. um, I've seen it in action and, uh, and it's going to, it's going to change your life significantly because a lot of the people that you thought were one way and thought of you one way are going to change. And at the same time, you're going to get a lot of people that you had never been around before that come over to your side and start being around you and i think it's um it's very overwhelming so um, yeah i have to warn you <laughs> yeah i think that's a, a fair warning and a good warning and i've already seen the beginnings of it and you know i do stuff in hollywood like i have relationships with producers and scripts and um you know there's a part of me that's defiant like you know they can't be the boss of me or tell me what to do but there's also a part of me that doesn't want to be the insane one in the circle but as you said i'm entrepreneurial so i i feel i'm always independent and will always you know have projects and my own things going on and that's going to be the way I am. And I, I don't want to compromise it. Uh, but you're absolutely right. Like I've already seen um, a couple cases where people took a big step back and uh, at the core, what's really been interesting, which I did not expect is uh, my parents are very supportive of it, which is crazy. I mean, I, I, I tested it on both of them and they've always been supportive, but for them to be supportive of this is like really like they're, they're stepping into a different area, you know, like, uh, and my mother's kind of psychic, but it's not honed. Like, she's really not that mystified by it. Like, she's an artist, art gallery owner, and she, but she can do it. Like, she always is, like, for years I've been asking her questions. Like, she always knows what's around the corner. So there's a familial genetic component, but just the same. Nobody was ever expecting me to step that way, let alone my father, who's not really inclined to support that sort of thing. And then with my sister, it's become where she, uh, I've had to limit her. Like, she comes to me with questions uh, she was coming daily. Once she realized, like, oh, my God, like, things are being verified, she started coming every day, and I had to limit it to once a week, and now it's down to once a month because uh, the the liability with that is, like, you know, uh, I, I can't be used as a crutch because then the person asking the questions won't grow, and then, like, I'm becoming a toxin, you know, like, you should only be taking glimpses. But um, so that was interesting. So my birth family, my parents and sister, were all not only very supportive, but with my sister, there's a level of buy-in that's significant where she's always asking questions. Um, but all three of them are, are coming with that. So that, that was a big part of it. Cause uh, if it wasn't safe within that zone of people, you know, I might've reconsidered ever talking openly about it. And then with my wife, you know, my wife has always felt I'm the best writer, like, you know, very, very supportive also. I mean, I wouldn't be married to her if she wasn't like, I'm a big support person, but um, I got to tell you, I think she, and again, like it, it comes through, she's the first person I started doing it with. And like, of course, I know her really well, so I can't read her life because her life is my life, you know. But I started reading other things with the people and scenarios around us, and she started keeping a notebook, and this went on for months. And then 
too many things were hitting. It was like above 90% where we, we couldn't ignore it. Right. So then I started doing it with other people all over the place. And, um, she, I think has supported this more than anything I've ever done. And again, she claims me as most people in, in the public space do. Most people contextualize me as a writer. So, and she, there's nobody who loves my writing more. I mean, she has nothing but the highest things to say, but I would still say, um, she supports this more than that just because yeah. there's like yeah and so it's so i would say that because of those four people my parents sister and wife uh, that's given me a bedrock of like okay like if they because i ask them all the time i'm like you really support this because this is crazy and i gotta tell you al also like unless i'm reading i'm i myself am skeptical about it until the reading starts and it's like how the hell is this happening so there you go yeah. Well, I think that's good. I think, I mean, that means you've got good relationships with them because quite often what separates family is when one, one of the children or one of the people in the family, um, takes a different route or different life right. than, than the rest expect. And so it's tough because sometimes people, closest to you see you as one thing and they'll never see right. you as something different but that's a good choice that means you're, you're in a good surrounding then that's perfect yeah that's, no thank you, you and know. i think you're right i think it's also like it doesn't take much either like i as a writer even if i've gone into a genre somebody's not expecting they'll they can turn up like even even <laughs> fiction to non-fiction it's like oh yeah. you're not who i thought you were like and yeah, of course like you mean something to them so they want more of the same experience if one experience really works for them but uh yeah this is definitely um, this is definitely a departure. I mean, uh, it's completely wild. And I have to tell you, like, all week as I was anticipating talking to you about it, um, like, it's terrifying. Like, it's, it's paralyzing. Like, because I know it sounds insane. Like, I'm an undiagnosed schizophrenic. Like, it's hard to verify. Um, it, it also, not only putting, like, mental health stuff aside, like, there's, um, there's the attention part. This is what bothers me the most. It's, uh, like, I'm special and I'm gifted. That, like, like, that, that would be my motive. And, uh, and, you know, I don't need to, I don't need to communicate this way. Like, cause I'm, I'm established as a writer and filmmaker. And like, and I, and I actually am better positioned in those zones than I ever have been. So I know there's risk, but I also have seen too much freaky stuff happen to ignore it. So that's where I am. Yeah. So yeah. now when we, when we talk about, um, the word psychic, and we talked yeah. about the words medium. And of course, I, I worked yeah. in the industry years ago, of course, but, um, there, there is a difference within the industry of what they call themselves. A psychic yeah. is seeing future and a medium is communicating with past, really. Yeah. So where, where do you fit in and what, what is it that you consider is happening to you? Like what, what, which area or both? Yeah. And, and it's interesting because I just, uh, for my website, it's not on the site yet. I interviewed my mentor. Her name is Melissa St. Hilaire. She's a good psychic. And one thing I complained about to her is how these things, but I'm just kind of like this. So I shouldn't like, I shouldn't drag all psychics, but the, the way these things get partitioned, like your clairvoyant or your clairsentient, um, just doesn't intuitively gel with me. But you are, you already said earlier in the interview, like I'm a kind of all over the place person. Like I'm, I'm always juggling. So, um, I have done mediumship. So, you know, I have, uh, uh, done readings across the veil to people, with people that have passed, uh, a number of times. I've also realized I'm able to do it with animals. And I'm also, but you know, the mainframe is psychic and it does encompass the future, but it's also reading like in it's uh insight, like into things that are going on. Like, you know, a lot of times people have questions that are urgent about interpersonal dynamics, like what this person is thinking or what their motive is and things like that. And in the course of reading that, it might be more present tense, but there's also an apprehension of 
outcomes or where the path is leading. Right. So yeah, and I'm happy to explain. Al, if you want to offend me if you if you express any degree of uh, ambivalence or neutrality or skepticism, I promise it won't bother me because I probably, in, on some level, feel the same because I, you know, it is odd. And I also it'll allow me to kind of explain in a mechanistic way how I think it works, which will probably sound kind of banal when I start talking about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, well, so what is it that you want people to understand most about it? Um, okay, um, here, here's how I've been explaining it lately, because there's been, like, when I started, I started exploring it with my wife, Rona, and then we did that one-to-one -one with a few months, uh, over a few months, and, you know, I'm very practical, like, like, and I'll even say baldly, this business, this website I'm starting, if this does not function, I'm not talking about monetarily, I'm talking about being of service, like, if it is not, if it's not stable, like, if the people aren't getting value and i don't mean value like oh i'm saying some abstract things and it has interpretable meaning and they can feel good about themselves i mean like if they don't feel like something if i'm that i'm tapping in i'll stop doing it you know what i mean like uh and that was that's how i've been the whole way down the road exploring and it. it's like if, if i'm gonna do readings like they've got to work and i did so many for two and a half years before i really started talking about it like just randomly on social media or whatnot so uh, the more I've been talking about it, there are certain friends in my circle that are curious how it works. And the I'm going to tell you the metaphysical way I describe it, and then I'll tell you the uh, more grounded way. So the, the metaphysical way is um, I'm tapping into my spirit guides. So I, I, I became, through meditating and through having lost people close to me, I became aware of a zone of perception that's to the right of me. It's like near my right ear. It's like near the right side of my head. It's kind of a valve. And I became aware that info was flowing through it. Right. And uh, I personified or gave a personality to the source of the sentience that seemed to be communicating with me. And they appear to me to be silver wolves. Right. But I'm also aware, even though the, they don't like it when I say this, like uh, like they lash back. I'm also aware that could just be an element of me. And it's me communicating with myself or tapping into a branch of my intuition that's available to everybody that most people don't use. And so we can put the wolves aside, even though, again, they object to that. And just forget about that. Maybe that's just the personality I give them because it's ro romanticized and it's sexy and it's like something exciting, right? But in the more grounded way, what I want people to understand is um, there, you know, intuition in and of itself, putting aside psychicness, can't be quantified. I mean, there's a certain zone of intelligence all day long amongst all of us, but some of us sharper than others, that is simply non-quantifiable. It's simply intuition. It's the feel you have for somebody. It's your read on somebody's personality. There's drastic and extreme truth within it, but there's no way. It's just, it's like loving somebody. There's no way to prove it. You know, that's why we write songs and poems about it. Like, it's like, it exists in a zone of feeling, right? So there's a branch of intuition I've discovered. And the way I think it works is, is that all day long as human beings, you know, we're all pretty much like a binary. We're all like, two people. In other words, like all day long, all of us in our heads are talking to ourselves. So to talk to yourself, like there has to be like some semblance of a talker and a listener. And anybody that's ever had anxiety knows that that can multiply. Like you can not only be watching your mind and watching your own thoughts, but you can be watching yourself, watching them and watching the watcher, watching them. And it can go become a hall of mirrors. So, but there is this multilateral awareness in the psyche and at a, in a general frame, day to day, it's some semblance of a passive mind and an active mind. So there's the mind that does the work and pays the bills, 
and talks to people and has a personality and an ego structure. And that's your mind. But there's also another quiet inner awareness that is aware of that mind and everything it's up to. And I'm telling you, my discovery has been is that that mind, the watcher, I call it the absent referent, the quiet one is psychic. And it's there in every person alive. Now, some people are more egoic and ego driven. Many people are. Or many people just don't have the schedule or the meditation practice or the room to sort of you know, spend time within that zone. But if you're open to that zone of the watcher, it, and there's so much information there that it's it's just limitless. And uh, I thought, you know, of course, all of this sounds crazy on a certain level. So I've read studies. One of them is on the website like, by a quantum physicist who speaks to things I was experiencing on my own without ever having researched anything. He was talking about how through history in different religions like in buddhism and taoism and different places on the planet shamanism meditation is always what starts psychic ability that's exactly what happened with me it came online in the course of meditating i realized something that i wasn't accustomed to in my mental awareness was waking up and sparking on my grid and then something was happening so that's historic and then the other thing he said which was really odd because this ties into how i do readings i always ask people to come with questions like they need specific questions doesn't have to be detailed. It can be very simple. You don't have to give me the answer in the question. But, you know, I need a question because it hits the wolves or it hits that inner awareness like, like it's a lightning rod. And then I can tap in and get all kinds of information. And the same physicist said in his article, and this is a science guy, he said there's probably not any question in the world that can't be answered psychically. And that's been my exact experience. It's like, so it's, um, it's a, um, lateral like um um column it's like a branch of intuition that's off center from what we're used to functioning in and because of the design of our day-to-day lives with capitalism with uh and i'm not making a political statement but truly like the way economics work the way what is expected of us, us each day the um calendar the clock our schedules our obligations our bills our bank accounts it zones our awareness in just such a way that it um obstructs this aspect of our of our psyches so how do, how have you come to rely on this but to a point where you can actually do it for other people and yeah and feel comfortable with it um i have to meditate a little bit before um before the session begins so i have to be a little plush and kind of relaxed because uh meditation is all just about quieting the mind so it's just um like you're um you have to bring your inner, your your mental chatter to zero, right? So then I feel that that warms up that zone I was just describing. And uh, it really is the sort of thing where each time I start reading, I don't think it'll work. Because again, I'm, I'm also, you know, a possessor of a regular mind. So I think it's like, it's ridiculous, right? So I have to revert. And that's why, you know, there's wolves. I'm like, I'm a secretary. I'm a receptionist and a go-between. I'm going to see what they say. And uh, that's not to bring responsibility off myself, but that's literally the only way I can do a reading. So I'm, I'm, I'm channeling something, and, it's, and it might just help me navigate it by picturing a me and picturing a them. So there can be a, like a ping pong. Um, but I'm just trying to pick up what they're saying. And it's become – I've done it with enough people that there's enough of a level of confidence when it starts that there's a, a good and high enough chance, probably 95% or more, that – it'll have substance. And what I've usually found, and Melissa, my mentor, has had this experience also, is that in the course of the reading, generally early, they'll lay claim to something that I couldn't possibly know. Like, I couldn't have learned it on social media. I couldn't, there's something they never told me. 
And then that'll come through just to open the conversation and, and develop trust. And it's weird because there are, you know, when you watch TV shows about this sort of topic, and I know you've been involved in a lot of these projects, there's, um, there are sort of tropes, right? Like, oh, like, for example, um, I was reading a friend of mine and I spoke to his deceased grandmother and she mentioned the blue dress. And she said that that was relevant to his mom, who's still alive. So we took the information back to his mom and she said her mother, the deceased woman to whom I had spoken, had a blue dress that she loved, right? So like you watch these TV shows, you're always hearing about, oh, the golden ring and the blue dress. And it sounds corny, right? It's like objects, like there's something basic about it. But I realized that I think the information process is in that way because it's like, it's the only way to verify that there's another awareness there. Like the only thing they can, they can't point to something immaterial or abstract. They're going to point to like, um, you know, something you can hold in your hand. So there's a lot of that comes through. And then some readings, it's like all, like, it depends who I'm talking to, too, because people's minds are all constructed differently. So depending on the person's level of, like, like for example, if somebody's halfway open to it, they'll get, like, a halfway, like, like a lot of stuff will come through, and it'll be strong and solid, and they can verify it, but it, there'll be a lot of stuff in there that breaks apart in the rocks of vagueness, because they can only hear so much. That's how they're wired. Other people that are more open, I got to be careful saying this because I don't want to just say that, oh, I'm scamming them and they're, they're just more agreeable. So they accept everything I say. But there is other people that show up and it's like, oh, my God, like all this information is gushing in. And they're over there blown away that I just know one thing after the other. Like uh, and I and uh, honestly, it's interesting because I, I seldom talk about it at this length or depth. But I might have even just hit the limit of my ability to explain it because there's a certain there's a there's also a part of the pie chart where I have no idea what's happening. Yeah, I think that's yeah. kind of the always the question, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I always personally I the people that have all the answers are the ones I trust the least. Yeah, that's the thing and that kind of goes back not to force the parallel, not to shoehorn this back into the other topic. That might be part of why I have a bit of an attitude about all the uh systematic stuff that goes on with psychics like the um clairvoyant, clairsentient. And again, I'm not I'm not rejecting it. I'm not saying that Different psychics can't have different specialties or strengths or areas. But I think when things get too, uh, the word's not systematic, um, standardized, I start like getting, I, I get annoyed with it because it's like, uh, the truth is, uh, yeah, it is more of a question. It, this is more of a question mark than a period, what I'm, uh, dancing with here. So that's why, um, it's reliable enough that I have no qualms about somebody paying me to do it for them. Um, and I also think it's helpful and there's, uh, something amazing about it that can create faith and healing. I, it's a very special experience. Uh, that in mind, like I'd be lying if I said I knew exactly what was happening. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's what, that's, that's what bothers me most about okay. it is the fact that every time, like I, I don't really watch them now, but when you could watch okay. any of those shows, they all have the same formulas, the same wording, the same, um, yeah, same behavior, the same rules. Like if, right, if, yeah, as if, if there's a book to read that tells you, right, what you yeah, know, and I don't, I don't buy it because, and the worst part is a lot of people that might have sort sort of into it, or some sort of psychic abilities or able to pick up things in their mind, um, try to fall into those rules or make those rules apply to what they do, and and that always. I always, it always sort of bothers me because of it, because there is no rules. Right, I, I hear you. You know, and that that sort of that's what drives me nuts about them. But um, that's mm. me. 
Yeah, I know. I think um, I think we honestly have that in common. And I think it's in any like like I'm, I've never been a joiner. Like I'm a writer, and I have friends that are writers. And I uh, yeah, I'd say most of my closest friends are creative, but I'm never one to be like part of the writers group or the writers scene. And it's because of exactly what you're talking about. It's like there's tropes and standards and conformity, and it's just part of human nature. Right. And uh, and it goes back to what I was saying about the blue dress. Like there's something within me that feels allergic to the fact that that's how it's processing. Because I'm like, what am I? And I'm not making fun of Jonathan Edward. By all accounts, like he's solid, right? Or by many accounts. But I know that he's real up on like, okay, is anybody here missing a key? You know what I mean? Like, so I'm like, yeah. I can't believe that the info actually has that nature and that that you know because i just happened upon it like like it was never anything i felt i had any need for in my life you know like uh um but uh and the other thing about those tv shows is um and this is part of i know we talked about the possibility of me doing it here like it doesn't even matter because people would be skeptical anyway because we know each other we're in a controlled setting you could edit it and i and i'll be completely honest if i had a bad hit let's say i started reading you and i made six six calls and five of them were right I would ask you to edit the sixth one out because right. I'm human and I'm trying to sell something and I believe in the other five. You know what I mean? So like, yeah. so it's the, the uh, corruptible nature of doing it. Well, yeah, yeah and, when, and working yeah. on the shows, you know, you people think that, you know, they see a half hour show and you got John uh, doing, um, you know, the readings and everything's great and it's done. But you know, those shows are like in the taping of six, eight hours of taping all day, and then you take the. Uh, the winners and put it into your half hour show. Oh, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. <laughs> but yeah, they don't see that. They just see the finished product and think, wow, he just walks right in and can go, Hey, you got yeah. this and it picks up and that. It's like, no, there was a lot of, a lot of time where it wasn't happening and things weren't going and you're going four hours and then everyone's doing lunch and coming back and you only had yeah. two things recorded. So <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. And also like, um, then, then it gets into like also what we're talking about lends itself to I think the main, the most sober reason that people are skeptical and have a right to be skeptical is that a lot of stuff, a lot of viable, confirmable info can be arrived at through hunches and guesswork. It really can. Like, uh, you know, like for example, you, and this is part of why you're good at your job, is you're a really good judge of character. And I've always known that about you. And I know that's something you know about yourself. So it's like, how does that even work? Like, how would we even quantify that Al? is a good judge of character. Who knows? I mean, it's just, it's part of your animal nature. You, you have a sensor in your brain that, that navigates reality from that vantage point and goes from there, right? So, but nothing of that, nobody in, a, in most societies or most anywhere would claim that as magical or, or mind-blowing. They would just say, oh, he has good intuition. Um, and I think that's part of why a lot of psychics call themselves intuitives to ground it a little and make it more approachable and less woo-woo. But, um, yeah. yeah, I definitely, in my own experience, um, have seen, and again, I, I wouldn't be here if I hadn't seen enough that uh, supersedes that level. It's like, how is this happening? Yeah. And what's weird, what's weird is practicing it, it's not like a muscle where you build it and it gets tighter. Like, I, I, I guess um, I've developed more confidence and it's become more predictable. Like, like I, I, I know statistically that when I dip in, it's, it's likely to work. But it's interesting because even though I practiced it to verify it so I could convince myself of it and also the people around me that I love and care about, my close friends, that I could acclimate them to this. Um, like I said before, there's a part of me that thinks it's completely insane. It's complete nonsense. And uh, 
I don't get it. So and this is I, I this is what I'm dealing with. Yeah, I think yeah. that's a good thing in a sense okay. that because then you'll always be careful and questioning what you are. But I also think yeah. on the other side of it, what that does is that um, it puts you under a lot of stress because what happens okay. is when you become out in the public like this, you're going to attract a lot of people that are looking for some sort of answer that right. um, might okay. not be really possible you know like it's beyond yeah, um, uh, yeah like they're looking for something so far out you know they've got they're they're in a lot of pain and stuff so this this i sure. think what that's is that that will interpret it to you into a lot of um stress and anxiety yeah oh, that's interesting I'll, I'll let you know as, as it unfolds and uh what i have seen which is kind of adjacent to what you're saying like i haven't seen like like for the most part, when it comes to like big concerns or questions, like, will I get pregnant or is this person going to die? Like things that are really extreme. I've seen that the asker usually puts a reasonable cap on the expectation, almost like they don't want to do that to me, which is fair because like you're, you're reaching into like zones of total certainty. And I, I'll be honest with you too, because I don't want to sell myself short. The likelihood is that what I come back with will be solid in my experience. But also, like, you know, in, in fairness, we're, we're all involved in a collective mystery of perception, and none of us knows what's going on on the planet, so there's going to be limits. But what I have seen that's more adjacent to what you're describing, which uh, definitely um, has caused me um, stress and even anger, is the person asking the questions trying to manage the um, level of bulk or detail of what I'm saying. Like, in other words, they'll try to push the guides to be granular and completely explicit like they'll get a bunch of hits they'll get a bunch of verification but they can't settle so they have to pop the hood open and look at the engine closer and be like all right let's look at this screw look at that screw what about this and then it's like like you've got to be kidding like we, we like if this is really going on which i think it is i'm in interfacing with entities that are like a trillion years old and it's a miracle like, i can hear anything they're saying at all so you're gonna have to sort of like roll with how it comes through you know what i mean like like so it's it, interesting when people try and micromanage the reading like yeah ooh, if they if they know this if that came through all right now i want a computer printout of every detail it's like well there's going to be drop off because i'm over here trying to interpret it yeah but i think that's kind of the heartache you're gonna, you're in for it's because okay. <laughs> people people are you know so and so died and how did they die and why did they die and what were they right were right. they in pain were they thinking and you're gonna you're going to attract that and right and right. those sometimes are things that you're never going to be able to answer and that's yeah. not good enough and and right. pe there's people that suffer with things that have happened to them and that's the problem and so that's where mm -hmm. the anxiety and and depression comes in from 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 what i've been through and seen and and worked with that's right so you, you end up carrying too much of a load whether through empathy or just realizing your own limits right. like like you don't want to be their yeah. therapist that is a really good point too and like uh yeah. You know, I just I have to play it as a lay and blaze. No, of course, yeah, yeah. It's, it's part of the, your process, but uh, it's just it's, it's a just, journey. It's, yeah, yeah, it's just being aware that um, that tends to come with it. Because and all that because going back to the TV guys, which I don't want to sure. bash too much, but the sure, thing sure. is, it's trained people to expect that outcome. 
Oh, because, it, yeah, like they'll be right. totally loud and zapped. Right, just, right, like, right. Yeah, you see, you, see, you yeah. see Chip Coffee on there and he's freaking out about this and that, or you see James Fron Prague and all these yeah. TV psychics giving them the answers and people crying and going, I can't believe yeah. this trailer. And so yeah. they're trained to, to accept that as, as what it is, and that's what they, they're looking for. So when they go to you, you're going to – they're going to want that, and that's Ooh. kind of not necessarily what really happens. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, yes and no. I mean, there definitely have been wows and epiphanies. Oh, and for I've sure. Seen a lot yeah. Of, yeah, for sure. But I know what you mean, like, like in terms of total conclusive solvency. Yeah. And, like, I'm burdened with, like, solving their life. I know what you mean. Yeah. Someone can come to you with an, an issue that happened to their loved one, and you might not get anything. You might be just kind of going around Absolutely. and yeah. doing nothing and so but their expect their expectations are what they see on tv is what i'm saying. right so no I, well said no, and i'm yeah. glad you're being so candid about it i'm glad both well, of us can be so candid about it because been, the been alternative is just the alternative is me coming on like like yeah. uh expecting yeah. with the presumption that you're gonna you have to completely uphold this, or uh, from every dimension, not just the validity no, I, I, of it. I question everything. It, it yeah. doesn't. It doesn't mean uh, it's not a. It's not a lack of um, respect when you question. Oh, sure. It's, yeah. it's about knowledge. It's about trying to learn. So yeah, I don't look at that yeah. as an insult. Now, now no, I don't see it that way for a moment. One thing that I find yeah. this is uh, going to be probably the most curious thing, and probably one thing you will have to deal with down the road, is okay. now you come from a, a Jewish family. And you yes, have a, a Jewish faith, and so there's a God, Abraham God, and you... Well, I don't uh, subscribe to the faith, but yeah, Jewish culture, I mean, also... Right, like, it's but, interesting, because the, the faith also is very tied but it's the so, culture. But it's so the tied ethics. in, yeah. like, it's yeah, so yeah. together, it's so it's intertwined, an yeah. that um, it's hard to get away from it, in a sense. And plus, the world has a lot of religion. Yeah, oh, it's... Um, of, it's uh, a, it's an right. ethno religion. So, yeah. so how are you going to, yeah. first of all, yeah. one is how would you deal with that and religious people? But the second one is sure. when has this changed your thoughts? I don't want to say beliefs, but thoughts on what afterlife is or what happens when people die. And also, yeah. is there, is there some sort of a, a religion or can the religion work with what you think? Like what's your whole, how have you, how are you reading religion, which with comes with this? Yeah, uh, really great question. I mean, of course, uh, religion is so similar to so many other lenses through which we approach life in terms of like people, people have a certain degree of freedom in most religions, I would say in the Western world, to use the religion as they see fit, right? Like, uh, and uh, one thing that's fun about Judaism, I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna bastardize the quote, but there's some quote about the the Torah that um, there's 70 different interpretations of every word in the Torah and everyone is wrong. That's a, that's a, that's a Jewish quote. Like it's just like, it means that Jews are, uh, and this is such a cultural thing among Jews. Like we're inclined to question and debate. Like I used to read Hebrew. I, I don't know how to anymore, but until I was bar mitzvah, I was, I went to Hebrew school for years and I could read Hebrew and you have to be able to read it to be bar mitzvah and read from the Torah. And if you look at a page of Hebrew, you just see question mark after question mark. It's acculturated. It's part of, um, it's part of Jewish thinking to inquire. Right. Um, and then being an ethno religion, which is interesting because a lot of people don't understand that. A lot of people, um, and you and your question telegraph that you completely, completely are there with that. Like, uh, 
a lot of people claim it strictly as a religion, so they're sort of like have the attitude that you can take it or leave it, and why would you take it if it causes problems, et cetera, et cetera. But that's not really what's going on, because Jews were originally an ethnicity, and then within that ethnic culture, there was values and ethics and priorities and forms of understanding. A lot of it is very tied up in legal and political thinking, and all that thinking grew a religion. So a lot of those instincts, it's funny, because throughout my entire life, I find that my impulses about what's ethical or how to ethically approach something are innately Jewish in a way I wasn't aware of. So it's fascinating. Um, and in a way that a rabbi would say, yeah, this is in the Torah, how you just handle this, you know, like, uh, so it's interesting. So, but in general, with that in mind, I am not a practitioner of the Jewish faith, even though when, when I became a father, I want my kids to understand they're half Jewish. So we do Hanukkah. Yeah, I want them to know that part of themselves and they're not going to be bar mitzvah. They won't, it, they're not, they're also, we're here in Northern California in Silicon Valley. They're not surrounded by Jews like what I was in New Jersey growing up. So it's not, it's not, I mean, so it's something I feel like I have to, um, all puns intended, keep the flame alive. So, um, so after becoming a dad, I re-embraced it. Um, but as far as the psychic components of things, uh, incidentally, how a lot of it started was, um, it involved a couple of meaningful deaths. The first one was in 2012, um, was my grandfather, Abe, and I was very close to him. So when he died, um, I became aware that he was speaking to me, right? And I understand that for a huge proportion of listeners, possibly yourself included, that might sound like in my imagination or imaginary friend or schizophrenic. And I had the same thought. I was like, okay, maybe I'm just, this is just a mental comfort blanket where I'm imagining him or some version of him giving me advice. And that's that. And whatever it is, it doesn't feel like mental illness as I've experienced because I've experienced, um, OCD and bipolar mania, um, ADD, and these, those things are excruciating. It's like, I won't wish them on anyone, you know, but this was like a very pleasant sort of gentle thing. I was like, okay, I'm just going to go with it. I have an imaginary friend, right? So this was 10 years or 11 years ago now. And, uh, I didn't take it terribly serious, seriously, even though it was comforting until my sister said she was experiencing the same thing and she's not the type that you would expect. It's not that she's not spiritual because she is, but she, it was a surprise. And they also weren't as close as, as me and him were. So it was odd because I went to visit and she's like, she called him Poppy. I called him grandpa. She said, Poppy is always talking to me. Like he's always right here. So I was like, okay, now that's instructive. What is going on? Right. So I, I kind of just left it there, but he never went away. Like, like um, you would think, okay, he, he passed on and he's in some other reality and eventually this will fade, but he's actually still around. Right. So, okay. So that's, that's phase one. Phase two is um, in 2015, uh, my wife's father died. And um, after that, my entire life changed. So up until that point, I was a spiritual person. And I would say, by and large, I was probably agnostic. Like, like you know, I, I feel something greater is going on, but I can't quantify it. I don't have hardcore beliefs about it. But it seems to me like, you know, there's there's no reason to be close to the idea that we're, in, we're a part of some greater intelligence or benevolence or that the world is bigger than what the five senses are showing us, right? That's where I was. But when he died, um, phenomena, and so this is also the first time I've spoken of this publicly, um, and it's, it's hard to talk about it publicly just because it instantly gets put under a microscope. It's like people are, are going to, at a particle level, listen to every word I'm saying and be like, is he full of it or not? But, but here we go. So phenomena started sparking off in our life, in our lives for about three months, like crazy. Doors slamming by themselves, loaves of bread being tossed across the counter by themselves, uh, laundry baskets shaking all by itself. 
every day. And I, I almost like he was having a party. It wasn't scary. It was like, it felt good humored and he had a good sense of humor. And it was almost like, and not almost like, I would say emphatically, he was trying to reassure us he was okay. And he was that sort of person. He didn't want anybody worrying about him. He uh, didn't want to die. He was a lot older than Rhoda's mom, his wife. Like, he was 20 years older than her. So he really, like, it was his second life. He was in his 80s. And he was young at heart. So, like, he didn't want to leave all of us. He just had grandchildren in the form of my children. And, like, like so it was like, it was like, he was not a guy that was, you know, like, uh, in his mind, he was in his 60s, you know? So... Yeah. I feel so all these crazy things are happening, right? Then he's, I mean, in the less quantifiable zone, he starts touching us. We feel electroshocks, kissing his wife. Like, this is, it's insane, right? So at that point, having witnessed it firsthand, and I know the, I'm, I'm requisitely self-conscious talking about it publicly because there's no way I can prove it, that, that I saw this, you know what I mean? Or that we all saw it. But in any case, um, as of that point, there was no putting the toothpaste back in the tube for me. I was like, okay. There is, I, I can't say absolutely an afterlife, because then again, there, there's so many questions. Like, we all, like, did you ever see the movie Men in Black? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You, you know, at the end of Men in Black, when the story's over, the camera zooms out and out and out and out, then it zooms away from the Earth, then it zooms away from the galaxy and the solar system and the universe, and then all of it is just a marble in the hand of an alien, and he puts the marble in a bag, right? Yeah, so sure. I always, because my wife and I always talk about what happened after her dad died, like, you know, it's staggering, right? So she always says, you know, that's it. There's an afterlife. And I agree with that. But I always counter with the bag of marble theories. Like, then again, we could all just be in the bag of marbles belonging to a giant alien that's a gazillion years old. And this is all computer game. And the perception of an afterlife is just one other feature of the hardware. And you know what I mean? Like, we have no idea what's going on here. So I'm always very open as to all those things. But in any case, as a human, that experience rewired me. And then a little while after that, I started meditating daily just for anxiety. And then in the course of meditating, I realized like, okay, this grandfather stuff is coming through sharp, right? Let me see what else is over there. And I mean, to my right, it's always to my right. And this is another odd thing I confirmed online is that psychics often say, okay, it's near my left or it's near my right. So there's some sort of bilateral binary based situation happening with that stuff. So it's always to my right. I'm like, there's some sort of valve. Also, incidentally, and I talk about this a lot on the website, when I'm writing, the imaginary materials also come from that valve. So that's interesting, too, because it's like creativity and imagination are not too far down the block from all the stuff I'm talking about, right? It's, a, it's all a form of um, channeling and interpreting the immaterial into the material. So um, that was when I found, uh, uh, this is the last part, that was when I found what appear to be wolves, and there's four of them, and one of them stands in front and does the talking. The other three are triangulated behind behind uh, him, or I shouldn't say him because they're not gendered, but they're these wolves. <laughs> they're, they're beautiful, <laughs> and that's not political correctness either. They, they, they don't, I don't know what they are, but they are. They're standing there, and they are the ones that do the talking. So this started happening, and as you might imagine, I was in no rush to start telling people about this. Like, yeah, I certainly don't want to be put in a mental hospital, right? So the only person I told was my wife. So she started keeping a notebook of what they were saying. And the, one of the first things they said was that uh, you should be worried about this was, uh, when was this, 2019? That we should be worried about the fires. Like, uh, we were always talking about moving. Should we move, relocate? We're adventurous. We always live here and there. And we've lived in Northern California for a while. So we're asking about should we move? And they were warning us about the fires. We're like, that's not even, like, remotely on our minds. Like, and then the wildfires, which are always bad, here 
were so bad near us that summer. It was ridiculous. Like, and they're consistently a factor, um, not this past year, thank God, but uh, in general, they've been more close right, to us. So that's right. one of like a, a one of a hundred examples, right? So, and I'm not, and again, I'm not looking to be pat on the head or, oh, that, that's amazing. How is this possible? And the odd thing is, I'm not going to lie and say, I'm not going to say I have no ego. I'm not one of those guys. Like, I definitely have pride in my writing, my films, all this stuff. And I, I'm an artist. I like attention. I like uh, sharing with people and stirring things up and all this stuff. But I have to tell you that um, my ego is not in this. If I start reading people and it's just botched or it's sloppy, I'll be like, you know what? That was an interesting trip I took, but um, it's not for me. Or if it goes, and I'm not saying it has to go swimmingly or that there won't be stress and trauma, if it goes and I feel it's useful and there's, and that's the experience, then I'll, then I'll stick with it for, you know, for as long as it goes. Right. So yeah. now, now what is it that um, you're doing with the website and what is it you want? What is it you're looking for? And what do you, th- what, what can people get when they go to um, your, your, your psychic arts center website? Like what is it? Um, you, you can book a reading so we can talk directly. And I only ask that people show up, like I said before with questions and, uh, and they can be simple or vague, but just uh, something to get the conversation started. And then also, I wanted to—I wanted it to be uni- unique from other psychic sites, in the sense that I want it to have one leg in um, in uh, consensus reality. Like I, um, and again, no criticism of how any other psychic approaches it. But you go to these sites or you go to these places of business, and in general, what you encounter is um, the outright atmosphere of magic. Like, ooh, come into this zone. Like, ooh, there's music playing or there's a purple tablecloth. And, and that stuff is super fun. Like, I'm totally down with all that. But uh, that's not how I am. Those aren't my aesthetics. And that's not what I'm experiencing. And I'm not saying it's not magic or that I would fault anybody for calling it that because it's definitely an unusual form of experience. But I'm trying on the website through essays I share of personal experiences, studies that are really cool. And, you know, it's interesting with the studies page. I started looking for studies. I'm like, I'm just going to find one study after another debunking it. But I found so many that support it. And I didn't only put up supportive ones. I put up ones that have, you know, mixed results and, you know, so people can think and talk about it. Cause I, uh, I even say on one of the, uh, not on the main page, but on the about us page, um, I'm happy to discuss this with people that are skeptical in some way that's preferable because it, uh, it, 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 it's like a live wire conversation. This should not be something that's, willy-nilly taken for granted as like, oh, you're psychic, let's go. Because I think that's kind of insane. So my vantage point, that's why, um, you know, I call it the psychic arts, not the psychic sciences, because I think it's more art than science, at least at our current level of consciousness. But um, I also call it a center because I wanted to have an environment of, um, you know, looking into things. I'm going to add more studies. There are book recommendations. I'm going to add more essays. I interviewed Melissa, my mentor, who I spoke of. I'm going to interview more psychics just so the topic can be explored in a way that's um, that's kind of refined. And I'm going to use my journalism skills to do so. So you're not going to be dressed up like Madame Cleo with the big... No, as much as I want to. No, now you're getting excited. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. That would be fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no. Yeah, what's really interesting, that's a whole other topic. And this gets, this, this inevitably has political overtones. But the other aspect... Um, is with gender, since this has been happening, I more perceive myself as a spirit made flesh. You know, like there's like, you know, there's there's high vibrating material at play in all our existences. And I'm, I'm feeling that it's tactile. So it's interesting that concepts of uh, gender mean less to me now than they ever have. And I've always been 
I've always been, you know, non-committal as to that. Um, but I'm certainly a guy, and I love being a guy. You know, that's not. It's not like I. I, I don't lay claim to anything other. But I also like messing around with gender roles and so forth. And then this psychic experience is actually uh, enhanced and intensified. That also, it's like, yeah, it's fun. Like I don't know. Yeah, we're just. That's you know, we have different meat parts, but we're also you know eternal. There's something bigger happening here. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, I, you know, I wish you luck and everything. What? <laughs> well, I, yeah, yeah. I don't know. What, no, I never you, know what you. to say. That's like anything, you know, right? no, I know this. Uh, yeah, and, and I also am clear. It's the same with my writing. Like when I do an op-ed, you know, I do those op-eds and the beat. I, I throw everything at them, but none of my friends are ever under an obligation to read them. I mean, that's ridiculous. Like I, they, you can't read everything I do, you know. And it's right. the same with this. Like nobody, nobody's going to be cast out of my life for not hanging with it. Like I'd be such a a jerk to do that to anyone because it's so personal what you believe existentially and spiritual that's up to you i mean i can't put my hands on that for a moment i would never dare to do it to anyone and if people come in and like believe me this is you want to talk about jewish this is the neurotic jewish business plan if people come in and the readings aren't flowing i mean they are going to get refunded like i'm i'm ready i have my finger over the refund button you know what i mean like uh yeah i mean i i'm here to explore it and that's why i practice with so many people before i I uh, took it out as a public thing. Right, right. Well, well you know, we wish you luck and everything. And, uh, of course, Psych- Psychic uh, Arts Center will be up on our website. And, you know, it'll all be there for people. And uh, hopefully it all uh, goes to where, where you want it to go. Do you, do you have any long-term idea? Like when you're doing this, were you thinking, of course, you didn't plan it, but it's all sort of happened. But what's, what's kind of... Um, in your mind, what's going to happen over the next 10 years to think, where do you see? Um, you know, I'll say it very plainly and it's, it's hard, you know, I'm not like an earnest, I'm not an earnest person, you know, I'm very absurd and ironic and all these things, but I really would like to help people. That, that really is it. Like I found that it gives people a, a lot of comfort and a lot of positivity. And I feel um, um, not just inclined or compelled, but I feel like honor bound to share it. I mean, that's where I am. So it's like, this appears to be going on. It appears to be fertile and active and it gives these wonderful experiences, which I don't think are snake oil or, you know, or sunshine I'm throwing around. And, uh, yeah, I just want to spread that. I have no notion of it being famous or a TV show or me being a television psychic. That would actually be way too stressful. Like there's no there that's at zero, but I, you know, as a private thing, like, um, you know, sort of like a shaman calling, like, uh, it's all about spreading positivity, and if we can, if it if it functions, it functions. I'm, I'm excited to see what happens. Yeah, you can have the Madame Robinette show, right? <laughs> yeah, that's it, Madame Robinette. <laughs> yeah, think about it. Yeah. That would be you know, yeah. It's not, it's not bad. It's not bad. It's a whole new name. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mr. Eric Shapiro, thank you for being here. Thank you so much. You've been listening to the House of Mystery Radio Show. To find out more about our guests hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show is over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Yeah. Good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.